Hi, this is Mark Gunn with the Brobdingnagian Bards, and you're listening to the Goblin Broadcast Network. Step through the twilight lands with me. Through the darkening sunlight, come with me. If you let your eyes adjust, you'll follow the light of the old ones. They've come to dance by the straight tracks. It isn't far to go. You're walking along with me now. I'm guiding the way. This is my land. My domain. The Bear's Grove, they call this place. Sacred it is to life and light. See the tower at the standard of the Golden Bear? Come past the forge and well. Past the mine and spire. Come now into the hall they built of old. The old stories crowd around in the firelight waiting to be told. Be welcome round this hearth and hold. Be welcome to this The Bear's Grove, your place for adult-level discussion of role-playing as a storytelling art. We have some wonderful stuff for you today, and I'm excited about the podcast we have for you. Coming up, we have a segment on swashbuckling and role-playing. Then after that, we'll have uh, the interview with my partner, a real-live female gamer, Cynthia. And finally, we'll begin our series on sex and gaming, after which we'll answer some feedback from our listeners. Well, from a listener. Yay! But first, some news and notes. I am making plans to be at DragonCon this year, and I'm hoping there are other podcasters and podcast listeners out there who are going. Last year, I went to the podcast panel at DragonCon, and the folks who were there, Michael Armenege and Evo Terra from The Dragon Page, Murr Lafferty from Geek Foo Action Grip, and I should be writing, Steve Ely from Escape Pod, Derek and Swoopy from Skepticality, and Patrick McLean from The Shanaki were all there. And I was hooked from the start. That panel was why I got started podcasting. So if it's anything like last year, I encourage y'all to be there again. It'll be great. Also, although I don't have a prepared promo for it this week, I want to tell you about a really cool podcast I've been enjoying lately. Jim Van Verth is a longtime board and role-playing gamer, and he has created a really cool podcast called The Vintage Gamer which talks about some of the role-playing and board games of yesteryear that you may have never heard about or may have missed. You can subscribe to his podcast at his website, which is thevintagegamer.net. Next up is our swashbuckling piece. Welcome to the segment on swashbuckling, mate. To start out, let's talk a little about the origins of the word swashbuckling. I make a reference to the words of the word detective, the URL you can get in the show notes. The word detective tells us that swashbuckler, the term, first appeared around 1560 and referred at the time to a bully, one who used swash 
which is a loud noise, or loud noises, as his buckler, that is to say, a small shield. Apparently, if you were not a competent swordsman, but you wanted to avoid being challenged, you could strut around, making a lot of noise and threatening folks, and people would call you a swashbuckler. Behind your back, it's presumed. However, our beloved Hollywood took the word and changed its meaning to someone who is a brave and gallant adventurer, risking all in feats of daring do. And it's that definition I'd prefer to keep today, although it is very interesting to visit the word's negative origins. In the Swashbuckler movies, the movie producer and director would direct the crew to create situations and rig up special mechanisms so that the hero of the movie could swoop in dramatically and save the day. This is because, in part, in real life, people don't do such things. It's neither tactically advantageous, nor is it minimizing personal risk. But that's what's beautiful about it. To do something impressive and foolhardy, brave and daring, like swing on a chandelier across an atrium to land on the far balcony so you can defeat the cardinal's personal guards and rescue someone, is a very cool thing. However, don't expect to be able to do something like this very often in a more realistic, simulationist sort of game. Like the movie crew setting up the stunt, the storyteller and player have to work together to make a swashbuckling event happen in the normal course of a story. But how can we do this and maintain a sense of excitement? If we follow the movie's stunt model, everything will be on rails, as it were. Yet, if we follow the real-world model, our hero will be frequently crashing into buildings or making like a pinata target with arrows and the like. The secret here is to go ahead and allow some randomness in the series of stunts you're using, but make failures and the like into simple setbacks. Instead of the hero crashing to the ground as he falls from a tightrope, for example, have him grab it at the last possible moment, hanging on with one hand for dear life. Allow him to make the landing on the balcony, only to find out that instead of one of the cardinal's guards, there are three waiting to ambush him. Another way swashbuckling is encouraged is to give some narrative control to the player through some kind of hero points, game mechanic, or a card system. Although, you must be cautious in using such things. Sharing narrative control is something that is best done only with players you can trust to use that power with maturity and for the good of the story as a whole. As to genre... The first kind of story I can think of when I think of swashbuckling is the Three Musketeers stories or a pirate story. Stories that have flashing swords and duels at dawn and the like. But it's possible to add swashbuckling to just about any other genre. Science fiction? Think of Luke and Leia swinging across the chasm in Star Wars 4. Fantasy and especially superheroic games. So what's the draw with swashbuckling? I think it combines all the best qualities of action-adventure films. It's the kind of thing that can make stories to be nostalgic about later on. Every game I run has a little bit of swashbuckling in it. If you're willing to attempt a very cool-looking, but extremely unlikely maneuver in one of my stories, more often than not, you'll succeed. And I think I'm not alone in this. Remember that storytellers are in this to be entertained, too, and there's nothing more entertaining 
than having one of your players say, Hey, what if we use our Featherfall rings, jump down that crystal shaft that's in the middle of the palace, cloak us all in shadow magic to protect us from the elemental light, and then just before we plunge splat onto the spikes below, have the cleric cast stone shape and open up a portal in the side of the shaft so we can all avoid certain death. Even if it does ruin all your plans, it's cool. Next up, we have the conclusion of our interview with Cynthia, my partner, with her special perspective on role-playing. that there are some people who don't seem to be reluctant to do that, but I would consider it very rude. Well, I mean, sometimes Silk and Moonlight game gets a little bit like that, but that's a different story, isn't it? That is so different. It's just you and me and Sanji. Sanji. Yes. So that is very specifically a game that's just us, and we're very close. Exactly. And I enjoy, I love hearing the two of you play she likes hearing us play, and that is something we have specifically said is okay with each other, or we would right. work things out differently. Um, we didn't do it extensively with Anna in the Mage campaign, It did, but later on with Tara, there were things like uh, there was actually a dream quest, something that had to happen that did affect the plot. But it was something that happened in a dream space that, again, it was something that would have been boring for the other people to experience. Are you talking about the thing with Jillian? Yes. Okay. And you may, it sort was something, it was a vision quest. We ended a game session with my character basically in a coma, trying to reach out to her life partner who was dying. Right. And knew that we had something like 13 people in the game. Yeah. You and I ended up spending, I think, maybe six hours doing that vision quest. Right. And it would have been very boring for everybody else to listen to it. So uh, we did that in between sessions and then wrote it up and sent it to them, which they had agreed was fine with them. They didn't... They didn't need you know, to be they part didn't of it. want to be part of it. No, I mean, I guess the question I have is, what if, you know, Rainfrog had needed to do that with some situation in his story? Uh, and I, I have to say that although it didn't happen, that I took somebody aside and had a, a six-hour story with them. Uh, I think it was just because I don't think that that's what people wanted. I mean, to a certain extent, I think people would have asked for it. But then again, that may have been a wrinkle that is very much a girlfriend gamer kind of thing. I mean, in the sense that... Well, we have propaniquity. I mean, we're available to each other. Right. But 
again, if someone else had asked you to do one-on-one gaming and they had come to you and said, could I come over and spend some time, I do know that you would have made the time available. And if you had said, I need to have time with you, we can work it out, I'd rather do it face-to-face, but we could do it in a chat, we could do it journaling, whatever, you know, you've worked that that kind of thing out with people. And it wasn't an experience points thing again, you know. Right. I think a lot of people have a hard time with that. I mean, especially some of our older gamers because uh, they come from a situation where experience points is everything, uh, and that's what they're—that's part of why they're gaming is to get get their character, make their character better, and gain experience and that sort of thing. But. Um, you know, I think that's another reason why we didn't have as many people saying, hey, let's do a long narrative session about, you know, I return home and, I mean, what if, uh, what if, uh, um, Rosilio would have gone back to his, you know, village and tried to, you know, clear his name after that problem with, uh, when he finally got caught up with by the thief catcher. Right. You know, uh, what if he had done that? I mean, there was a whole sort of subplot there that could have been gone into, and it would right. have affected the overall plot. But uh, he wasn't interested in doing that. But he well, had, I mean, he was yeah. busy. So I mean, he know, was busy. He had much younger kids than we right. did, so it wasn't True. as available to him. Although you know what, if he had asked to do it, you know, we would have made childcare available too. We, we could have done it. You know, um, and of course, this is all uh, pointing to the. Well, it's also pointing to the argument of, oh, we all just need to live in the same house together. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> well, or have, like, our gamers compound or... or yeah, just, well, okay. Like the I gamers, talked about uh, already. Yeah, the old gamers old home. Old gamers home, which right. is going to be important. Yeah, then we can just have the great ga- grandkids visit on exactly. a schedule. Right. You know, and where we embarrass them. Right. That's going to be important. Um, all right. Well, is there anything else you wanted to talk about or, like, say something in the direction of this topic? Mm-hmm. Well, I do think that the romance topic, um, I've, I've listened to your podcasts, you know I do, and I, I enjoy them. I appreciate that very much. And there was a point where we started specifically gaming um, together, one-on-one, that had nothing to do with any other campaign we were doing, because it was a way for us to spend time together, um, interacting that had nothing to do with the kids and what was going on with them or what bills needed to be paid, or what needed to be done around the house, or, you know, whatever... Or our relationship problems. Yeah, what was going on with our relationship. It was an escape for both of us. Again, something we could do together. And uh, that really did help us. It was honestly at a time when we were having a really rough period. Yeah. and A lot of stress. It was very important, and I think it has been a really good thing for us over time. It has been a consistent thing we can do together to escape together. I think a a lot of people have their escapes, but most people escape separately. Mm. And that that can really be a problem in a couple's life because... if Even if both of you are escaping into the same video game, if you're doing it separately, it's not really contributing to your relationship quite the same as if you're building a story and a world together that's just yours shared and we have done that actually now with two completely separate stories 
Right, and and I think also that it adds another level to our relationship in the sense we can talk, we can use it as a uh, basis for language um, and, and sort of say, well, you know, and make reference to it in, 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 and it really helps the communication. Right, it does. And we've joked about bed LARPing and some people have assumed that we're just talking about, you know, <laughs> making out and, you know, in character or something naughty. It's not. It's not just You know, that. we really are <laughs> gaming. Yes, we will, you know. I mean, but yeah. There, in fact, in the second campaign that we've done this way, we started out with a character who had absolutely no romantic... Anything. Any life at all. None, no way, ever, was she going to have any romantic involvements with anybody. Right. So... She was a spy, and she was sort of a hard-ass. Well, she was... Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, she's not. she wasn't exactly... She she had targets, is how the way she put it. She right. didn't have lovers, she had targets. Right, because that's how she was trained. And that was specifically a character that was developed to be extremely different from the character that I had played in the... any character I'd played in the past, because I wanted to stretch. I wanted to be right. different than the, you know, good, you know, sweet, light characters I'd played before to see if I could. Right. And that is important, although not as important as a lot of people think it is. I mean, to a certain extent, you have to be enjoy the character in order to play the character well. And if you don't enjoy the character, there's no amount of, uh, in my opinion, there's no amount of uh, trying that will make it a good character for you. I don't know. I, uh, I couldn't see any connection to the character I drew for the one-off game uh, that I played in at Dragon Con. When you played this past it, uh, year in, my, uh, in a Firefly, Firefly game. Firefly game, right? Yeah. Um, however, I enjoyed the game, and and I ended up connecting with Jamie, the, the name I gave the character. Right. Um, and I really did enjoy it, and I had to stretch a lot because I could not find any way to connect with that character at first. Right. Right, and to, see, and that's just another reason why I think you're fairly good. At any rate, um, because I mean, I can throw you these curves. I can give you a character cold, and you you do well. Well, actually, that helped me. That game helped me a lot because I had wondered if I had worried that part of the reason that I was comfortable was that I know your universe, your D and D universe, so well because of having played with you so much. Mm-hmm. But I am not a Firefly expert. I certainly don't know the Whedonverse back and forth the way so many people do. And I am sure that most of the other people at that table knew facts and figures much better than I did. Um, So it actually helped me feel more more confident as a gamer Mm. Mm. that uh, the skills from one game could translate to another. Right. And I wasn't just relying on history with you. So basically, I mean, if you had to give advice to someone who has decided that, well, okay, yeah, I like this one game, but I'm not sure about the other games, what would it be? Try it. Um, I, 
I'll be. I really, really, really hate character creation. Yes, I know this about you. And so the one-off <laughs> thing is a great way to try a different game for me because I don't have to do any character creation. So I don't have to mess character. with any game mechanics. I am handed a character, and I get to play. I get to see what that universe is like. I get to see what that game is like. It mm-hmm. might not be a character I would want to play for a campaign, mm-hmm. but I'm not committed to a campaign. Right. It's just And I might not like those people that much, but I get to try it out. I get to try the game. I get to try the universe. And I might decide that I would want to try play that game with different people. Right. Or with a different character. But it is a great way to try out the game. Right. Um, what about sex in games? I mean, you can't really avoid it in a game like Firefly, for example, where there are registered companions. Um and in our D&D game, we have their sex, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and we're an explicit podcast now, so we don't have to worry about... Oh, we're explicit. Yes, we're oh, explicit. my goodness. We're, iTunes thinks we're explicit, oh. so we're explicit. Well, um... So we're rated R, PG, whatever, you know, whatever. <laughs> now, it's funny, isn't it? But that's, that's what... I mean, I went ahead and went that way, so... Well, um... Seeing as how we've done some sessions with my daughter, I feel kind of funny about the question, but then we're pretty sex positive in terms of just being healthy, okay? Right. I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe in getting into really explicit details of role-playing. I'm not into role-playing out. And then you reach over and you untie you know, the top lace of whatever. It's just not something that I'm going to get into. Well, no, but we have been very suggestive in the past. Right. Before we fade to black. Yes, fading to black is important. And just we, like you don't really describe every bit of somebody going to the latrine. Right. <laughs> I mean, but sex is a part of life, and it affects character relationships. It affects plot, because you can stew somebody. You can have somebody unhappy because of an affair. Right. You know, there are so many ways that sex affects any universe. You can have, you know... And yet there are so many characters who people play, but they don't even consider, is my character a virgin, or... Oh, yeah, we had... I think you asked somebody if his character was straight or gay, and he just... Uh, he looked so offended, you you might as well have just said, bend over. I mean, he was just so upset. Right, and we had somebody else get very upset that someone was breast that you were breastfeeding a character uh, in a game. Yeah, uh, my character had children in game, and she was breastfeeding before she handed them off to a nurse to go off to adventure. Exactly. I mean, it it just it's a natural part of life, and right, it's a darn good thing he wasn't around when our kids were younger. Yeah. <laughs> True. But he was also offended by us giving my by me giving another woman a foot rub right. in person. So like, that's he was wrong. offended by lots of things and that was his thing. But you know, I think that it may be something that you know generally you, you feel out the people you're playing with. If somebody has major, major value differences, you know, it may be something that they need to work out. You know, if they if they get really offended that sex comes up, they should let you know. Yeah, it's part of the ground rules. It should be part of the ground rules. You know, sex will not come up explicitly, or like rape. I, I know rape is a big thing. Yeah. 
I don't really think there should ever be a non-consensual player rape. Well, and that would be, you know, I think that the only thing that we've ever gotten into that might have been something close to that would have been some of the horrific things that happened in our mage game um, to people. But Right. Uh, well, in our one-on-one game that we play currently... Right. It is very adult, and I could deal with it, and my character, more importantly, could deal with it, and actually has dealt with it. Right. If the character in the line of duty was raped. Right. But in a game... And your character can sense when someone has been a rapist. Well, my character put herself in the way of harm deliberately. Right. So uh, she targeted this person, but... Most people, I mean, unless somebody is doing that kind of thing in character, just to say suddenly, you know, you're attacked by a band of ruffians and raped, that isn't okay. And I have heard people claim that that happened, and, you know, and I don't doubt that it did. I'm not saying that, right. you know, that's totally out of line. Yeah. And I, mean, I can well, see that if something like that consent. happened, yeah. then that a woman would not feel welcome. Exactly. Or somebody playing a female character. And honestly, I can't see guys ganging up on a guy and doing that to them. Right. And and to be honest, I mean... That is a gender issue. Historically speaking, though, I mean, if you talk about pirates on the high seas capturing people, they're into anything concave. So, I mean... If we're going to play adult games, actually... um, why don't male characters get raped? Right, I mean, they would, you know, in the sense that... So... So, I mean, to a certain extent, I think it's just... You hit something on very important, and you were talking about, you know, we don't game with your daughter in a very sexual fashion. And that's right. because when she's in a game, it sort of colors everything that's going on, to a certain extent... And a lot of that's my boundaries. Well, that's your boundary, but, but it's uh, yours too. It's and she's too. she's she's a teen. She's not an adult, right? Exactly. But still, going that PG thirteen route, I have a hard time sometimes doing that, even in Vampire. Although I've managed to to get sort of because the kids play Vampire together, right? The teen the group. teen the teen group does, and they they can get kind of racy at times, but um, and they're going to get more so as they get older. Yeah. Yeah. What, they've been gaming together since some of them were 9 or 10? Exactly. And they know each other really well. They, they, some of them are dating. There. Yes, and some of them are dating. But, and I think that to right now they just think it's funny to a certain extent. Because, you know, I mean, I think there was one character who got seduced by a demon woman and pulled into a limousine and the, the, the windows <laughs> got steamed up and... Later on, you know, he showed up with bruises in various places, and they were all like, "Ooh!" <laughs> um, and they were teasing him, and and he was he he was eating it up, and he he loved it. He's like, "Oh, that was great! I couldn't believe it." <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, really, uh, it all depends on the context of the game that you're playing. I mean, when we get into Silk and Moonlight, there have been some really sexy scenes. Well, you and Sanji and I have a very high level of trust. Right. We have that level of trust that we right. would not have, say, in the care- in the games we did play with the person who objected to the foot rub. Oh, right. There was no sex. No. 
There was nothing sexual. There no. was nothing racy. No. I mean, there was nothing. There was we not even flirting. That. Right. Well, and then, you know, it's so, like I said, it's all about context, really. Right. And what you feel comfortable with. And it... It grows over time. It grows over time, and it's initially set up by being up front and talking about it. See, the thing of it is, I don't think a lot of people do discuss those kind of things when they first start out. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm not sure a lot of people ever discuss those kind of things as bluntly as we do, even if they're um, if they've been involved with each other. <laughs> Well, okay, let's, we won't go into the we're more evolved than that. No, no, I'm not saying we're more evolved. It's just that we, we're we both writers and we both, True. We, we will err on the side of over-communicating True. because we found that, say, we'll use the same word to mean different things. Right. But, for instance, we had a talk with some teenagers that we happened to know recently who were engaging in behavior that we weren't sure they were really, um, had thought through completely. Exactly. And we had some really, we, we said very bluntly, so how are you going to support this child that might result? Right. In a public restaurant at dinner with them. Exactly. And this young man's chin pretty much life hit changed. his rice <laughs> right there. Right. You know, when right. He, he realized for real that his girlfriend and his views on abortion was not what he assumed, that they didn't meet. Exactly. And it was a life-changing experience. And it's that kind experience. of thing that could happen inside of a game. Before, right. You know, it, without anybody ever finding out, like, ahead of time. And then that's the kind of drama that causes games to, to sort of fly apart. So. So sit down with your people and talk about your, you know, your particular views. And also what, and come to a, to a decision, a, an agreement between and amongst you about how you're going to handle sex in the game. Is there some kind of questionnaire? I know that there is, um, we know of a sort of a dating questionnaire. There's always there's a lot you of know, things, But is there something about, you know, like limits in gaming that you no, know of? No. Some kind of resource? Well, maybe there is. I you mean, know, about religion. Some people don't want to get into religion much. Right, exactly. Some and people don't want to get into sex. Me. Some people don't want to get into right. gender identities. Which is a different issue than sex. Than sex, yes. And that's another thing, I mean... And some people don't want to get into to explicit violence. I am not into explicit violence. Right. Uh, torture and that kind I of thing. I don't want to know what color the viscera is. Right, exactly. And we've had some people who are really into that. Um, yeah. To a certain extent, that also structures what I suggest that we play together. Because, like, I would never talk about... I would never suggest that we do a Call of Cthulhu game. Um, I am antsy about suggesting we play vampire because vampire can be that. It's very, you know, I mean, we can do it sort of romantic, sexy vampire, but there's a lot of really dark crap down there in vampire. Yeah, I, I can't ever see playing Wraith. No, Wraith is no. Um, yeah. And. Wraith, no. I, and I would only, I wouldn't play anything really in the world of darkness. I'm sorry, I'll play it. Well, you play you know, Mage. Yeah, but see, but you you make and, it the world of mostly dimness. And you would play yes, that's right. <laughs> and you would play Changeling, I think, if you if you got into it at some point. But um, yeah, okay. Well, um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I hope well, you'll come thank back. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you're always welcome here. 
and uh, hopefully we'll be able to have you back and talk a little bit more. If you'd like to hear more of this kind of thing uh, from the Bears Grove, please don't hesitate to uh, email us and let us know. Uh, Thanks so much, Cynthia. Goodbye, and thank you for having me and listening to me. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com. And next up, we have our segment on sex. to the Bears Grove, I think it's safe to assume that you're an adult, you like to play role-playing games, and you most enjoy them when they're beautiful stories you spin out of the stuff of dreams, myth, and legend. These stories speak to your heart, your soul, and your life experience. That kind of art doesn't typically come out of the roll of a die or the consultation of a chart, which leans more towards a simulation than a narrative. Stories frequently gloss over the gritty details that aren't relevant to the plot. However, details that allow us to know our characters better and to understand their motivations are very relevant and are in fact what drive the creation of such beautiful stories. You'll notice that in most stories, an author doesn't spend a lot of time in talking about eating and drinking, and the same goes true for games. In fact, traditional fantasy role-playing games make you keep track of rations on your character sheet, but they might as well be points that you eat instead of a meal. Likewise, dungeons don't typically come equipped with restrooms. It's just assumed that all the bodily functions take place off-screen, which is just fine by me. There are many aspects of a medieval world that I'd rather not dwell on, and the stench of waste is one of them. Then there's sex. Sex is a fundamental part of every character's life, if for no other reason than, typically, sex is how people get here. And for a lot of people, sex is lumped right in with eating and drinking. It's important, but not something you want to think about in-game. And yet, many of the great stories have at their core sexual attraction. What would the story of the Trojan War be without the backstory of Paris's sexual urges starting everything? You can ignore sex as the motivation in your game stories, but why throw away such a powerful and primal aspect? If your role-playing group is adult and has enough maturity, and if everyone participating consents to it, then why not venture a bit into the sexuality of your characters? Well, there are a number of reasons why people decide not to. I think, however, that most people who have trouble with sex in games have fears about the sexuality crossing the reality boundary into their real lives. For example, if you have an all-male, mostly heterosexual group, the men may feel uncomfortable role-playing sexuality or sexual situations with one another. I have a difficult time placing myself in such a scenario, but I understand that it does happen. Especially if the storyteller is male, and is playing a female non-player character who is seducing the male character of a player of a male player, there's a definite fear there that somehow role-playing sexuality in this fashion makes you gay. To those men, I say, look, fellas, it's just a game. 
While there is no reason why you need to get explicit in your character's role-playing sexuality with another character, you can just let the sexuality stand. And if things get too embarrassing for you, you can always fade to black. Just like broadcast TV does. Leaving the sex in shows a kind of maturity. And it can also deepen and legitimize the stories in your game. There's no need to bring homophobia into it. After all, we're talking about the sexuality of fictional people, not the players. It's a whole other subject, and really a whole other podcast. Another objection people have to including sex in their game is that the sexuality might cross over existing relationship boundaries. Your best buddy's character is sexually interested in your wife's character, for example. Once again, that reality crossover boundary needs to be firmly in place, and everybody must be consenting to what goes on. But there is no reason why you can't just go ahead and have your characters act on the sexuality they naturally feel and express. There are a lot of things you, as a mature player or storyteller, can do to help facilitate sexuality being part of your game. First of all, keep mindful of the reality crossover boundary. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't let yourself feel whatever feelings you get as a result of playing a game. That wouldn't be fair. Of course, a good story is going to affect you. But you don't have to choose to act on those feelings. Be mindful of the reality of the relationships between the players and you'll be fine. Second of all, sometimes it's as useful to verbally distance yourself from the sexuality. Saying, I'm going to kiss you like you've never been kissed before. It's a lot different than saying, Xanas kisses Terafear with passion, his strong arms wrapping around her to lift her up off her feet. Sometimes it can be fun to use metaphor and simile to deal with sexuality. We once had a very descriptive but altogether candid scene wherein one character played chess with her lover. Using such a metaphor allows others to jump in and reinforce it. We're all adults. We all realize what the metaphor means, so we can participate in the sexuality of it without having to be explicit and threaten that reality crossover barrier. And plus, a lot of chess gets played. Finally, just keep in mind that consent is the primary rule here. If someone else appears uncomfortable or has a problem with what is going on, there's no reason why you shouldn't just stop what is going on and either have a talk about it or switch activities altogether. Realize also that even those adults who give their permission may need to come back later on and change their mind after they realize what it means to game this way. It isn't for everyone, and everyone needs to be okay with that. So, to sum up, in order to have sexuality in games, you must first make sure every participant is a consenting adult. Second, help everyone understand explicitly the barrier between game reality and real life. Third, whenever possible, use third-person declarations, fade to black, and metaphor as an aid to comfort in describing sexuality in the game. Next week, we'll go deeper into sex and talk about sex and magic in gaming. Finally, this week we have an email. And that might not be a big deal to a lot of people, but it's a huge deal for me. Uh, 
very rarely get feedback from y'all, but I'm really glad to get this one. I am so happy. I know it sounds pathetic, but uh, I really am overjoyed. At any rate, uh, send me more. Dare I ask, send me voicemails too? Anyway, here's the, here's the email. This comes to us from a fellow by the name of Storm. He says, I'm making the rounds throughout all the podcasts. Well, thanks for stopping by. Working through yours from the beginning. I like you. I started at eight, and I'm a year older than you. Like you, I'm in the industry, albeit an illustrator rather than a writer. If you Google Storm, my website will be the first entry. So I'm at episode two, and you're talking about kids and role-playing and your ten reasons. I think you forgot the most important one. Fun. Fun for its own sake. Although I liked all the other ten reasons, too. I also highly recommend checking out Pinnacle's Savage Worlds website forum. Savage Worlds is a system that seems to be very, very good for running kids with, and it's one of my favorite systems. But there are several threads of fathers running for their kids or several kids. There's one thread about a 10- or 12-year-old daughter who is writing her own world and running her own game. Her imagination is wonderful, and her grasp of the mechanics is really strong. Just a wonderful thread. I'm trying to track it down, but to no avail. Well, thank you, Storn. I really appreciate someone who's willing to go all the way back to episode 2, when I was pretty crappy, to listen to my podcast. And I agree with you about the fun, and I've heard many good things about Savage Worlds, so it definitely bears looking into. I'll have to do some searching on my own and locate this thread you're talking about. Thanks again for the feedback. The Bears Grove calls for your feedback, kudos, and or participation. Send an audio file or email us at bearsgrove at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 206-888-2327. Leave us comments at the show blog at httpbearsgrove.blogspot.com. Place yourself and send us a shout-out at our Frapper map, which you can get by going on Frapper and looking for Bears Grove. Participate in our online forum at thegamingpodcastnetwork.com. Visit our Cafe Press store to purchase a Bears Grove t-shirt. Well, that about wraps it up this week for this week's edition of the Bears Grove podcast. Next time, we'll be talking a little bit about sex magic, going into the concept of power dynamics in role-playing games, and perhaps have a, a visiting column or two. As always, I thank you very much for listening to me today, and I want to remind all our listeners that the Bears Grove is covered under a Creative Commons 2.5 license. Attribution, no derivatives, no commercial use. Our music today is from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com and included To Victory by DJ Top Shelf, which opened up our swashbuckling section. Uh, Eisen Lalu from Mark Hymonen opened up our interview with Cynthia. And the Romani Dance Gitano Flamenco by Hello Zero started out the segment on sex in gaming. Finally, today we have the song Learn to Fly by Josh Woodward to close out the podcast. Until next time, keep your mind, heart, and spirit open and have sweet dreams when you get them.
summer's day in Shepherdstown An eagle in a thermal is a circle And now like a tire on a bike Rolling down Columbus Street But Katie got a little look of hope in her eyes And her arms unfold as she looked to the skies And said, I'm gonna learn to fly around with you, yeah She jumped up high she fell to the ground And skinned her little knee and made a horrible sound Got right up and she tried it again And smiling all the way with her unstoppable grin Well take time, do what you're gonna do And just smile, you're gonna see it through Your wings are gonna sprout and lift you off the ground Take time, do what you're gonna do Just smile, you're gonna see it through Your wings are gonna sprout and you will learn to fly At her. They say your head is in the clouds And when you come back to earth The men in the white coats They will all be waiting for you But Katie knew that there was something they didn't see And she climbed up to the top of the sycamore tree And said, look out world I am gonna fly away She stood so tall And with all her might She took a flying leap of an astonishing height A wind blew through And it carried her high And Katie knew that she was just well, take time, do what you're gonna do And just smile, you're gonna see it through Your wings are gonna sprout and lift you off the ground No, no, take time, do what you're gonna do Just smile, you're gonna see it through Your wings are gonna sprout and you will learn to fly Your wings are gonna spot and lift you off the ground no.